so this morning, uh, we're continuing on in our journey through Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Sermon on the Mount runs from Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. Uh, first, I want to say thanks to Pastor Jim uh, and then James Half. Hill for some great messages over the past couple of weeks. It was good to be able to tune in while I was away and hear the important reminders they gave us about uh, truth-telling, about how our love has to extend even to those uh, who see things different than us. Uh, and it was great to be able to watch. I'm, I'm grateful that we have that as a possibility, as an opportunity that you can just kind of tune in no matter where you're at uh, and be a part of our worship service here. So as we're continuing in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we are continuing with a similar theme that Jesus talks about kind of throughout, uh, the theme of how we pursue righteousness. Uh, In chapter 5, much of Jesus' instruction uh, is focused on examining our hearts and seeing how our desires can corrupt us from within, how uh, that can prevent us from living a fulfilled life. In chapter 6, we kind of continue on the same theme of pursuing righteousness, but Jesus turns his instruction uh, to how a fulfilled life is found in seeking righteousness and approval from God instead of from others. Uh, A major theme that we'll hear over the next several weeks is uh, that who you seek to praise, who you seek approval from, uh, is going to determine the kinds of rewards that you receive within your life. And so our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 6. We're reading verses 1 through 4. I invite you to open up your Bibles with me there. Matthew chapter 6, beginning here in verse 1. As Jesus is teaching, he tells us, Uh, Beware of practicing your piety or practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Uh, This is the word of God for us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. So when I was growing up, uh, my parents liked to watch this British comedy show called Keeping Up Appearances. Uh, The main character on this show was a lady by the name of Hyacinth uh, bouquet or hyacinth bucket actually and, and throughout the show her whole life was about trying to impress the people around her the people that she considered to kind of be the social upper class so that she could attain that higher social standing and, and one of the funny things throughout the show was her insistence that her last name was bouquet uh, even though her husband would always say that well it was bucket before i met you uh you know, a lot of the humor in the show comes from this, this trying to advance herself, trying to put herself forward. And a lot of it comes from her trying to distance herself from the working class sisters and what she grew up around. And they kind of have a way of foiling some of her attempts, showing up at inopportune times. Uh, she's contrasted throughout the show perfectly by her neighbors who are just wonderfully content with where they are. They don't see this need to impress those around them. But Hyacinth always creates this extra anxiety for all the people she encounters because everything has to be just perfect so it can impress just the right people. Uh, it's a pretty funny show, but what I love about it is how it holds up a mirror 
for us to kind of see ourselves. I mean, it, it exaggerates it a little bit, but it enables us to see ourselves, and it really enables us to see the culture around us, which kind of has us in this constant state of trying to impress one another. It's the keeping up with the Joneses mentality, the social media desire for, for more likes and follows and shares. Like if I post something and I go back three hours later, it's like oh, only five likes on this. What's, what's going on? What, what's happening to me? It must not be showing up in people's feed just right. But we have that kind of desire that we seek and need approval from the people around us. And what this show does a great job of is it shows how this desire to impress others is exhausting for us and how it can be damaging to the people around us, especially the people that we love. And it would be great if this keeping up appearances was just a cultural thing, uh, but it, it kind of exists in the religious world as well. Uh, not to disparage my Baptist friends, but there was an old joke that I uh, always heard and said, what's the difference between Methodists and Baptists in a liquor store? Uh, Methodist wave uh, while the Baptists duck. Um, they don't want to be seen, right? Uh, they're doing the same thing, but we've got to keep up our appearances. I, I think the same thing kind of exists on the other side when you see, you know, sort of social media uh, people pushing for justice. And it's like, if your pastor doesn't preach about whatever the hot news topic is this week, then you need to find a new church. And there's always this push, this kind of uh, virtue signaling that exists on both the right and the left uh, of our trying to just impress the people around us by saying the right thing, by doing the right thing, whatever the right thing might be for that particular audience or particular crowd. And, and it kind of all begs the question of who are we really trying to impress? Whose attention do we really need and who are we really trying to honor and glorify within our lives? So there was a, a general rule that my parents grew up with, a few of them, that I used to hear them talk about. If you were a Christian, there were things that you didn't do. If you were a Christian, uh, you didn't drink, you didn't smoke, you didn't curse, you didn't hang out with anybody who did. Uh, and I imagine there were probably people here who kind of grew up with similar sets of rules. Uh, there were even other ones that my mom would talk about. You know, you couldn't play cards, you couldn't dance, you couldn't go to movies. I don't think my mom went to a movie until she was in her 50s just because that was the way that she grew up, there were rules that were put in place by the Christian community that she was a part of, and they weren't intended to be bad. They were kind of general rules for life that were supposed to be life-giving. But they became rules that were more about restriction, moves that were uh, rules that were more about uh, how do we uh, kind of throw up and share how good of a Christian we are instead of being rules that are promoting life as they were intended to be? It became more about practicing a rule uh, to impress the people around you than living a life that honors God first and foremost. And I think this is what Jesus is warning us about uh, here in our passage uh, in verse 1, Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now to be clear, Jesus wants us to practice righteousness. Right? I mean, Jesus wants us to do what is good and what is right. But what is our motivation for doing so? 
Right? And so Jesus gives us this warning. Those who practice the right rules just for public appearance will receive their reward only from their public audience. Seeking human praise rather than godly approval means that a person is going to have to be satisfied with only that human praise. It's going to be the only reward they receive because they've been paid in full here and now and they're going to miss out on God's greater reward. And so after giving this kind of general instruction, this general warning, Jesus begins to offer a little bit more application for us. In verse 2 he says, So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Now, Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't give alms as he's teaching this. In fact, giving alms was a requirement. In the Old Testament, there were lots of laws that talked about how we're supposed to give to and care for the people who are in need. Lots of laws that talked about when you harvest uh, the, the crops that you've grown, when you harvest the animals that you've taken care of, leave a little bit behind so that the people who are in need come along behind you and glean the field so that they can have the things that they need. And the absence of social welfare programs, voluntary charity is essential to provide for widows and for orphans and others who can't provide for themselves. God even promises blessings throughout scripture for those who give to people who are in need. Proverbs 19.17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and will be repaid in full. And another one of Jesus' teachings in Matthew chapter 25 He even goes as far as saying, whatever you've done for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you've done also for me. Right, so as Jesus is teaching, his point isn't that we shouldn't give alms. I mean, there's actually an expectation that we will. It's that as we do so, that our hearts, our motivation, it needs to be pure. See, what Jesus calls out as problematic are people who do things in an attempt to gain attention for themselves. Those who do things in an attempt to impress others or gain approval from other people. And it can be even in the things that might seem the least significant. During my last few years of college, it was really important to me to be involved in homeless ministries. I was in a church that was in downtown. There was a homeless shelter not too far from where the church was. And so there were always people around who were in need. And having this kind of heart to care for the people around me, I would just carry cash on me in case somebody came up and needed something. I could just give a couple bucks here or there. Or if I needed, I'd go buy somebody a meal or have a meal with somebody. Well, one Sunday morning after church, my friend and I were walking uh, to the car to go out to lunch, and somebody came up to us and asked if we had any money or if we could help them out. Uh, On that particular day, I didn't have anything on me, so my friend pulled out his wallet, and he gave the person a $20 bill. And I was kind of blown away when I saw this. I'm like, dude, why'd you give him a $20 bill? And my friend said, well, I just figured that if you had something on you, that it's what you would have done. And my friend did the right thing. But maybe his motivation was a little bit off. Uh, I mean, it was the right thing. It was a good thing. He was helping this person out. But he was saying he he did what he did uh, because he thought it's what I would have done. As Jesus is talking about the way that we give alms, I I think he's encouraging us to think about not not impressing the people around us. Not doing it so that the people who are with us and who are, uh, who might see it can say, wow, you know, that's such a, a good person. That's such a great thing that they've done. But rather that people might be able to say, look at how good God is. Look at how great God is. And I got the opportunity to see and to be a part of this. 
See, as Jesus talks about those who give alms, as those who are doing the right thing so that they can get praise from others, Jesus calls these people hypocrites. Uh, It's a word that he'll use many times to describe the scribes and the Pharisees who were the religious leaders of his day. And, And it's an interesting word because we throw around hypocrite a lot these days, but I think we don't use it in quite the way that Jesus did. See, a lot of times these days when we talk about somebody who's being a hypocrite or somebody who's acting hypocritical, it's, it's like they point out uh, a law is being right, but then they fall short in some other area and say, oh, well, you know, that's just, they're just a hypocrite because they're trying to be all good on this side, but really things are not quite what they are. Now, in Jesus' time, uh, the Greek for hypocrite uh, is the word that described actors in a play. It talked about people who were just putting on a show to impress people. When Jesus used the word to talk about the scribes and Pharisees, he wasn't saying there was a problem with them being religious leaders, uh, that there was a problem with them encouraging people to abide by God's law. What Jesus is saying is that those specific religious leaders were only doing their good works to put on a show. Like actors in a play, they were just doing the good they were doing so they could try to gain applause from the people around them. They were acting righteous for public consumption so that people would see them doing good, but their hearts were devoted to selfish concerns rather than truly serving God and the people around them. Jesus' issue with the Pharisees wasn't that they were following God's laws, it's that they were doing so to gain approval from people. They were seeking righteousness through their works and through uh, what people around them would think and say instead of doing it for God. The expectation is that followers of Jesus will give alms, that we will live lives that are righteous, but that our motivation for doing so is going to be about God's glory and not our own. Jesus knows that doing it just to be seen by others is exhausting for us. And it's going to be damaging to the people around us. And so Jesus continues in verse 3 and verse 4. He says, but when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your alms may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. I mean, Jesus says there's still a reward for doing what is right. The expectation is still there, but we're not to do it with an expected outcome or because of an expected outcome, but in order that God would be glorified. And it's not even that nobody would know that it happened, but that your motivation wouldn't be the reward or the public praise. It's not even so that it might be the reward that we receive from God, but it's all about God being praised by it. It kind of had me thinking, I don't know if you've been in one of those places where you kind of make a bargain with God about something. You know, God, if I do this, then I need you to do this. Or God, if you do this, if you give me this kind of reward over here, uh, then I'm going to do these other things for you. Uh, I feel like it's a prayer I've prayed a few times. You know, God, if you can convince that officer not to give me a speeding ticket, I'll, I'll never speed again. I don't know if you've been on that path before, but uh, it's doing something for the reward that it might get. Right, um, God, if you, if you let me out of this one, right, I'll do the right thing. Uh, it's doing it for the reward instead of, God, I'm going to... I'm going to slow down and go the speed limit because that might be something that honors you. Or, you know, on my recent vacation, 
I had a little incident uh, where I lost my phone and keys in the bottom of a lake. And, and I'll, I'll probably tell the full story another day. But as I was searching for them in the lake, uh, after I dropped them and lost them, you know, our family's up on the shore, uh, just kind of baking in the sun, a little bit frustrated with the situation. Uh, I, I said a prayer, and it was kind of like, God, I need you to help me to find my keys and my phone I really need to find them so I can have some personal redemption in front of my family. Uh, God, I want to be the hero, right? I had this grand vision. I find the keys. I come back, and everybody's like, yay, this is a big celebration. My prayer was all about making myself look good. It really had very little to do with God at all. And so needless to say, uh, I didn't find them. Uh, We had to call the locksmith, and it, it all worked out in the end. But... I, I think it's kind of a similar situation to what Jesus is describing as hypocritical. Right? I was seeking a reward from God that would give me praise. It wasn't about God, it was about me. My, my prayer was that I would look good, not that God would receive the praise or the glory because of it. And so Jesus says, you know, when you do your works of righteousness, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't, don't do it for the public praise. Don't do it for some reward that you might get. Do it so that God receives the praise. And this is in line with his teaching just a chapter earlier in Matthew five sixteen, when he says, let your light shine before others. They may see your good works and give glory to your father who's in heaven. See, doing things uh, for the approval of others, doing things with the hope to receive some kind of reward, it just leaves us exhausted because we go on that cycle over and over and over and over again, just trying to get some sort of reward, just trying to seek some sort of approval. I mean, even doing God-honoring things, if we're doing them to earn some kind of favor with God, it's going to leave us feeling empty and worn down. And Jesus wants to save us from that. It's a weight that's too heavy for any of us to carry because we're never going to be able to impress enough people or just the right people in order to fill the deepest longings of our heart. We're never going to be able to impress God enough to fill the inner void that exists inside. Our good works, our attempts at righteousness are never going to make us right with God and right with others. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to save us from our sin. He came to save us from ourselves. He came to save us from this need to keep up appearances. Not by making us work harder to earn righteousness, but by just giving us his own righteousness. It's a gift that's been given to us so that we can be free from all of these other burdens and we can just live in response to the grace, to the love that's been shown to us. We've been made righteous in Jesus so that we don't have to seek it from others and we don't have to earn it from God. It's a gift that sets us free from living to glorify ourselves. And instead, we're free to live for the glory of the one who made us, the one who saves us, the one who gives us life. So a good, a good challenge for us might be that each day when we wake up in the morning, we might meditate on a simple question. How can I live to the glory of God today? Just to think about that. You know, as I start my day, how can I live to the glory of God today? How can I live so that instead of people saying, oh, look how good Denville is, instead people might say, look how great God is. 
If that's the motivation that exists within us, then all of the good things that we want to do, all of the good that we hope to do is going to flow freely out of us. If I'm seeking to live each day in response to God's grace, seeking to live each day for the glory of God, I'm going to give alms freely without a concern about who sees me or what kind of reward I get in return. If I'm seeking to live each day in response to God's grace, to live each day to the glory of God, I'm going to pursue justice and not just virtue signal. I'm going to follow God's teaching in Scripture while still being gracious to people who are not. I'm going to practice righteousness with the hopes that others are going to be drawn to God because of it and not just drawn to me. This is the bottom line that Jesus teaches us. Living to impress the world and keep up appearances might have a temporary reward, but it's going to leave you exhausted, worn out, and empty. Living life to the glory of the one who made you, who saves you, and who gives you life is going to give you a peace that passes understanding, a joy that's unspeakable, and a hope that can strengthen you in whatever situation you might face. Let us pray together. Gracious and almighty God, We thank you uh, for the love that you've made known to us through your son, Jesus. We thank you that you have set us free from these impossible burdens of trying to impress people around us, to gain their approval, of trying to even earn our own righteousness. We thank you that you've made us righteous in Christ. We pray that each day we might live uh, for your glory. We might live in such a way that others are drawn towards you. And not just to build up ourselves, but for the sake of your kingdom. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.